0: hello and welcome to the motormouth podcast with harry benjamin and tim Sylvie. this is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport chat about their lives and everything in between This week we are joined by one of the most exciting American racers around right now, Connor Daly, fresh from scoring his first ever pole position in America's IndyCar Championship with British team Carlin, and he's also enjoying racing with Ed Carpenter Racing too, balancing both drives at the same time. He'll explain how. He's enjoyed massive success in the UK and Europe too. It was an absolute pleasure to be joined by Connor, a race car driver and reality TV star. Thank you so much to you guys as well who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps. Helps us to get bigger and enjoy.
2: Welcome to episode thirty-five of the Motor Mouth Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, as always, I have to head over to Essex to a man whose father learned his craft in the medical world from a certain Eric Sidney Watkins, OBE, an English neurosurgeon who, between nineteen seventy-eight and two thousand and five, was the chief medical officer in Formula One, who was known in the sport affectionately as Prof. When the prof spoke, people listened, and there is where the similarities end, dear listeners. Harry Benjamin, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I had no idea his first name was Eric, so you learned something new every day. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's probably wrong because it's from Wikipedia, so don't blame me if I've got that uh, one wrong. Need, yeah,
0: you need you need to stop using Wikipedia. Know, uh, <laughs> how are you doing? All right? Um, yeah, I am all good. Thank you very much. Uh, I just wolfed down dinner yeah. uh, because it's the evening here uh, in here in Essex. Are you still um, doing
2: your fifth? What's it called? The Joe Wicks uh, thing? Pitching no, I've given up 15, on Joe I'm five.
0: doing Les Mills now, which is an absolute killer. I just did a half an hour thing called Grits, which honestly I do it every Monday and it doesn't get any easier. I'm hoping I'm going to see some some results any day now. So uh, just just watch this space. It's How sound, are you? It sounds horrible. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm hot, actually. It's been a sort of stuffy kind of yeah. day
2: today. Um, mm. But uh, no, I'm good. I had a nice weekend with the kids. Didn't do an awful lot. Um, played around in the paddling pool and that sort of thing but um, yeah no all good mate thank you very much well listen should we uh, stop dithering and introduce today's guest let's do it I've brought in a special theme tune for this one so uh, I'm just going to hit play on that Yes, today we're very excited to be joined by yet another of our friends from across the pond. He's a second-generation race car driver who started in carts at 10 years old. By 2005, he'd won 19 races, two championships, and Junior Driver of the Year. He's a rising star in the motorsport world and is currently to be found strutting his stuff in IndyCar with Ed Carpenter Racing and British outfit Carlin. It's a joy and a pleasure to have him. Ladies and gents, please welcome Connor Daly to the Motormouth podcast.
3: Thank you, guys. That was a beautiful intro song. Appreciate that. <laughs>
2: <Way> <laughs> we were, better than our national anthem. Yeah, um, we, we were slagging off our national anthem before you arrived,
0: and yours is much more stirring. Uh, got it. Thank you so much for coming on to the Motor Mouth podcast. Now, we've had a habit um, since, since lockdown has sort of started for the world to always asking about how lockdown has been, but we're changing that now because we're desperate to try and get out of that <laughs> mode. So... In lockdown, people have been uh, looking into uh, e-racing and e-sports. You're big on that as well. Is that how you've been filling the void with no racing?
3: Yeah, I think that was everyone's outlet, really. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here in what's been hilariously called the Connor Daly Technology Center. Uh, <laughs> the is just off to my left here. Um, Call of Duty is on in the background currently. Nice. It's on this screen over here. So I've got four computer monitors going right now. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was one of those things where we all kind of settled into it. Uh, we all left St. Pete, which was our first race, but it got canceled and we all got home and we're like, well, what do we do now? Mm. Um, and I was already like streaming games on Twitch a little bit, um, but didn't really have a racing simulator set up or anything. Uh, so IndyCar then decided, all right, well, we've got a NBC, you know, TV partner. What are we going to do? Well, let's do some online racing. And I was actually blown away that, uh, with the amount of drivers that actually, uh, participated, but no one had anything to do. So I, I, uh, I think it went, it, it was interesting. It was, it was, it was cool. I'm not a big sim racer. Like I'm not great at sim racing. I'll, yeah. I'll not, I will not deny that at all. Um, and I think we kind of proved that as soon as the real racing started again, <laughs> we got ready to get to it, but, uh,
0: so before yeah, no, lockdown, just, were you not really, you weren't that big into it or were you just sort of playing it for fun? I suppose you didn't have that much time to do it, did you?
3: No, and I mean, we do so much like real simulator stuff with yeah. uh, with our teams, you know, with Chevrolet. Uh, that like, that is the gaming part that I like because that's like as close to reality as they can make it. So like, I, I don't like to come back here and get absolutely <laughs> stepped all over by a bunch of, you know, incredible people on the <laughs> internet. So that's why I avoid it. I'm like, look, I don't want to make a fool of myself on the internet more than I have already. So I'm just (laughs) going to leave the sim racing to the experts and continue to try and jump out of planes and call of duty and shoot people on the ground.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which is very American. Let's be honest. Let's let's, let's go go with the (laughs) shooting. Um, So Connor, obviously um, racing is in your family. It's no secret. Your your father was a racing driver, obviously. And we'll touch on that more later. Was racing always going to be the route for you? Was there ever anything else?
3: Well, I mean, it it was certainly all that I knew growing up. I mean, my dad retired when I was born, but he went straight into TV broadcasting. So I was always at the racetrack was always, uh, you know, traveling with my mom and dad, um, because, you know, I was the first child, so I was always coming along for the ride. Uh, and, and yeah, it was, it was something that I, that I thought was just a heroic act. It was an incredible, uh, scene every year at the Indianapolis motor speedway. Obviously I grew up in Indianapolis and my dad was Irish, but he was, he was fully, fully moved over to America by the time I was born. And, um, and, and, and it was, it was something that I didn't really think was attainable. I just thought that these guys were born into heroism and it was the greatest thing ever. And you just, you just kind of had to be designated a racing driver at birth. And I just, I didn't know. So, uh, <laughs> thankfully, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, a neighbor of ours when I was 10 wanted to go out to the go-kart track and ask my dad to come along. And, um, and I went with him and, and got into go-kart and, and realized that this is, uh, it was a lot of fun uh but I also wasn't terrible at it so uh you know the rest was history but yeah it was it was always racing my my mom loves it my mom worked at the racetrack my dad loves it uh obviously he was very heavily into it and then now you know my stepfather as well he's he's very tied into racing so everyone that we've got in the family has been involved in racing
0: <laughs> there's no escaping it <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> now, karting is, is the logical route that most drivers we talk to. That's how they start. And that is how <clears throat> ha, ha, there seems to be no other way, really, of getting in, into racing. When you first got into a car and you immediately sort of started performing well, winning, setting records, when was the, uh, uh, the moment where you or the people around you suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I, I think this could actually go, go quite far?
3: Uh, I think it was more when, when we got into, like, cars for the first time. Like, yeah. karting, you know, I was I would say I was okay at karting. Yes, you know, we won some stuff. We we were winning some championships. But I always thought that there were some other guys that were like, oh, man, like, they're winning even more than me. So, like, what, you know, do I need to be better at this? But then mm-hmm. when I got into cars, my style really related more to cars than go-karts. Um, and when I got in there, sort of things started it wasn't easier for me, but I, I, I adapted to it, I think, much quicker uh, than I expected to. And, and my driving style fit a car and the more weight uh, than, than the very small and nimble go-karts. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's when it really became serious because we got right into it. I mean, I was 15 and, you know, we were in the, the national series in, 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 the, in the U.S. that was, you know, filled with every aspiring young driver from, you know, North and South America uh, and, and even Europe as well uh you know that 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 we saw. So it was it was it was really cool and it was great to be a part of that. And, you know, we won it in my rookie year. So it was kind of launching us off into the, you know, stratosphere of of car racing. Um and and then it got really serious. I mean then it's like, all right, we're you know, we're on a road here, where we gotta start setting out a path to, you know, where we want to end up because it's very important to you know every step of the way is really important
2: and i suppose you at that stage um i guess you were lucky in one sense i guess it can be hard living under a guy who is a successful racing driver but on the flip side you've got someone who can mentor you and perhaps send you down directions that other people wouldn't go and and make the right choices and you even ended up, um, over on our shores, you, you raced at Silverstone, um, and, and won, I believe, how did that opportunity come about? And, and was that your first time racing in, in Europe?
3: Yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, when, when we're growing up over here, we know that, you know, to get to formula one, you have to go to Europe. Uh, everyone over there has, pays no attention to what goes on over here. And, and we're, we know that, uh, that's fine. Uh, and, and, so when we got every year, there's uh, the team USA scholarship. It's called, uh, Jeremy Shaw, uh, a British, a British fellow himself, uh, has kind of started this for many years, many years ago, uh, to give two American drivers a chance to go over and compete in Europe and the formula Ford festival and the Walter Hayes trophy at Silverstone. Uh, you know, two, obviously two great British tracks with, with brands and Silverstone. Um, and you know, so Joseph Newgarden and I obviously multiple IndyCar champion. Now, uh, we were, you know, we were the two drivers selected in 2008 uh, Joseph won the uh, Formula Ford Festival, and I won the Walter Hayes Trophy. So, uh, a bit of an American sweep there, which was really cool uh, for us at the time. But, but once you know, once we got over there, we realized, all right, you've got one shot at trying to go to Formula One, and you got to do it when you're young. So, Joseph tried to stay over there for a little bit, but it was really tough for him when it came to budgets and figuring things out. He had to come back to America, and when he came back to America, I went to Europe. So, right. it was kind of a, a crossover of sorts um, because I had won another championship here in America, which gave me a scholarship fund to be able to kind of fund my first year in Europe and kind mm-hmm. of get things rolling. So yep, it's, yep. Uh, it's been a weird road, but, uh, you know, it's ended up all right. Sorry, Formula sorry.
0: one, the goal.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, once, once I got to age 17, 18 and I had, I had won all the championships in America that I'd been in so far. Um, you know, there's, there's, you stay on the route to IndyCar, which which could have obviously been very profitable. It worked out fantastically for Joseph. I mean, he's driving for the best team in the sport, Roger Penske, and uh, you know has multiple IndyCar championships already before the age of thirty. So, um, but but for me, we had a great opportunity to go over there. Uh, you know, with with Carlin. Uh, and learn a lot, become a better driver, and then you know there was something with with Force India at the time that they saw something in me. After I kind of got on their simulator a little bit and worked, uh, you know, worked with those guys a little bit, to where they signed me to a contract. And so that was that was super important. There was a big mm. push to try and get American drivers as well. You know, Alexander Rossi was over there, um, but I, I, I will always be so super thankful for uh, you know what the Force India team saw in me uh, Otmar and, and Bob Fernley at the time. Uh, those were great guys to deal with. And, uh, and then, yeah, then they took over kind of my European career, uh, from then on. And, and, and we came very close, uh, to, to making it over there. But, uh, but, you know, it's, it's obviously a very, uh, a very small group of individuals that do get that chance to be in formula one. So yeah. it was, you know, mm. all
2: good. you've, uh, you, you've brushed over, um, you're obviously a modest guy cause you've brushed over some serious success there. So what led to your GP three and, and, um, and then into GP two uh, at GP three and GP two as it was then, um, back in 2010, you didn't just win Formula Star Mazda Championship. You absolutely destroyed it with seven wins, nine poles, twelve podiums, the most laps led, and the largest winning margin in its twenty-three year history. Astounding results. Was that the year that you thought, "Okay, I've got this. I'm going to Europe. I can get to Formula One."
3: Well, I mean, I've never again. I've never thought I've I've got this right because you can't can't go into that because you're you're you know it's just not a. I got to, I wanted to go to Europe and and, and thinking, all right, I'm gonna learn here. I'm gonna learn from racing against some of the best in the world. At the time, GP three, I mean it was thirty cars every race, yeah. three cars per team, incredible mm. teams, incredible drivers. Um, you know, on, I mean on the same tracks as Formula One. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the schedule was fantastic. So, you know, rookie year, obviously, you know, Botas won the championship. Uh, he took me out in the last race at Monzo's a little bit upsetting, still yeah. still hold it up hold it against him to this day. Um <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know there were such incredible drivers yeah. that we were racing against. You know the you know Mitch Evans, Antonio Felix Da Costa, Danny Kvyat, Carlos Sainz. I mean that I was
0: have, a hell of a field actually. Yeah, amazing, yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing
3: field. So did, many drivers. Did you? I mean, you look, at, you look at most of those guys though as well. Now I mean all of them, all like literally the top fifteen in the championship. I think all are established paid racing drivers all across the world. Somewhere. Yeah.
2: No, it's amazing mm-hmm. when you when you came over and first jumped into that. Um, competitive GP3 championship what was it as you were expecting were you thinking yeah this this is tough this is going to be tough and it's and it's going to be hard to compete or was it did you come over and think god this is a bit of a shock this is this is tougher than I was expecting
3: well I think the the biggest thing that was interesting for me is at the time I had come over and my first race with Carlin in GP3 my first GP3 race out you know, we, we, I, we didn't really have a set driver lineup. I was the only driver that was actually signed for the whole year. So I didn't know who my teammates were going to be. And Tom Dillman was my teammate at the time. who's obviously, you know, gone on to be pretty successful in sports cars, Formula e, et cetera. He qualified on pole and I qualified 29th. And I was <laughs> like, well, how did that happen? And he came back to me and that was when Pirelli's were still, you know, they were a new tire for that series. And the series was still new. And he was like, I have no idea. I was like, well, I, I have no idea why I qualified 29th. And so it was, it was one it was one of those things where it was a very strange tire to get used to. And I think a lot of the drivers that year, for sure, and as we kind of kept going, realized that there was a certain driving style that you had to adapt to this tire. And it took me really almost half the season that year to start to figure it out. And then we started finishing more in the points. We started getting closer to the podium, um, which then which then thankfully led force india to signing me and then putting me with art grand prix which was the championship winning team the next year and as soon as i got in with that team it was like all right these guys you know they'll tell you exactly what you need to be doing doing this very strict system obviously they're french uh so it was you know (laughs) an interesting environment but i won the first race of the season like i won the first weekend of the season so it was like all right well that was cool you know what i mean we went from like not a great year the first year to immediately winning and being at the front of the championship and qualifying on pole as well. So like it was, it was pretty cool to kind of go from there to there. And once I won in GP3, then that, that really boosted my confidence competing over there in general.
2: Yeah. Moving forward into GP2, um, plus, um, your first look back at, at IndyCar. So, um, tell us about the, the GP2 opportunity, what that was like, How was that step up from GP3 into GP2?
3: Well, I mean, honestly, like 2013 was kind of the craziest year of my life. That was my last year in GP3. Uh, I had to win the championship that year for my contract to continue with Formula One, or well, with Force India Formula One. Mm. Uh, And we did. You know, I was leading the championship going into Monza, which is the second to last race of the year. And we got taken out in the first race, which means you start last for the second race. So, Mm. uh, you know, I, I had the best race potentially of my life at the time. Second race.
2: Is that, the Bo- is that the Bottas incident or a different one? No, this
3: was this was this is another one. Bottas was year one. Right. Year three was a kid named Dino Zamparelli. I don't know where he is now, but I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, and and we were you know we were in a position right there to lead the championship. We had six podiums or seven podiums, six podiums I think already on the year. A win, a pole, um, and and yeah, got taken out at Monza. So you know, race two, we came from 29th to eighth. Set fast, slapped the race, but that's two points. So. Uh, Danny Kivyat had gone to, uh, you know, to, to get a lot of points that weekend and we finished third in the championship. So it was a bit of a shame. And then after that GB two, I mean, it was, my career had gone straight off a cliff from then on. So, you know, had done an IndyCar race. My first IndyCar race was gp three testing formula one, and then completely fell off the horse. So, uh, GB two was, you know, very low budget, crazy operation, tried to show up to some of the races, but it was, you know, the, it was a, it was a the team was back of the grid uh great people honestly still some of the you know great people that i enjoyed working with but we just didn't have the budget um so it was it was tough that year uh gp2 cars were a lot of fun to drive you know softball van dorm won the championship that year good friend of mine still we play call of duty every every week uh but (laughs) yeah it's it was it was a tough year but it kind of got me back to america uh and and then just focused right back on IndyCar again. Is is that what you needed?
0: Because, you know, most racing drivers always have a, a really tough part during their careers. It's normally financially related as well. How do you pick yourself back from that? Was it, okay, let's refocus, let's go back home and and try and rebuild. Let's see what's going on here. How do you recover?
3: Well, I kind of thought like if I ever did go back to IndyCar, like because of the success we had had in Europe, you know, up against some of the best in the world, that I was like, all right, you know, we'll be able to sign this guy but it was not like that at all. Uh, you know, IndyCar had seemed to have forgotten everything. And there were a bunch of, you know, people that had, uh, you know, budgets and stuff like that. And so it was kind of just like, I had to just force my way in. I had to go back to, you know, I was sleeping on people's floors in their hotel rooms at every race just to kind of stay around. Uh, you know, I had subbed for an injured driver in 2015 and then, uh, that went well. And, uh, and then my Indy 500 effort that year, we found a sponsor for, but the car caught on fire before the race even started. So it was like, And then, you know, I subbed for another injured driver, my teammate James Hinchcliffe at the time, and then led two races in a row and finished sixth in my first road course race there. So it was like Mm -hmm. things had started going well, and then then I did get signed for 2016, which was great. Um, But it, it was definitely a full year of 2014 and 15 where I was not full- time in anything mm. uh, and just kind of jumping from place to place series to series, a bit of a, you know a gypsy lifestyle and, yeah. and, and, and it worked out.
2: and how how was your mindset at that stage? I mean that, that, were there ever points where you thought this is it I just can't, I can't go on. I' this is the end of the
3: road. Well, I, I can't think of my life without racing at this point. It's almost like, as you know, if I didn't have the, you know, the, the chance to drive race cars, I wouldn't know what to do with myself or how I would live. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to do anything, whatever it takes to be at the track, to be, uh, you know, ready to drive at any point. Um, and it did work out. It was, it was a grind and it was terrible. Like there was a lot, there was times where I was like, this actually sucks, Yeah. but you know, it, it, it works out. And, and now, you know, many years later, four, four like four, or six years later, it's, you know, it, again, went through another bumpy road, but I'm back and 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 it was all, you know, worth it. And it's going better now than it ever had.
0: Well, that's amazing to hear. And what a brilliant story as well. And now what we like to do uh, to break up the, the interview for you, Connor, uh, we normally like to play a bit of a game uh, and it's the hardest quiz in motorsport. Cue music. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much now connor this is the hardest quiz in motorsport um we've had over 30 people take part in this uh the top of the leaderboard currently looks like this good friend martin plowman number one with 13 points someone needs to yeah, displace second him. brendan hartley and in third place is guido van der that is the top three midfield Tenth place, we're looking at Will Buxton, Sebastian Buemi, David Coulthard. Bottom of the leaderboard with a measly three and a half is Karun Chandhok. Uh, now, the way this works is I have uh, got some clips for you uh, and we're going to play them and they're all, they're all related to you and your career and uh, I'm going to ask you, you're going to listen to them and then I'm going to ask you some questions, 13 points up for grabs. Um, let's kick off with clip. Number one, have a listen, and then I shall ask you some questions. Here it In comes. In line here, coming out of the tunnel, Daly goes to the right. Elina Sen goes to the right, so Daly moves to the left. So he goes to cover it, Daly goes to the left, and then Saranovic then moves to the left again. Make the one move. Make the one move. Good friend, Will Buxton there, commentating. Um, now, Connor, first of all, can you give us the context of what's happening there?
3: Uh, absolutely. We'll never forget it. Uh, Monaco, uh, GP3 2012. Um, coming from not a great spot on the grid, uh, trying to fight my way past uh, absolute idiots. Uh, and Fat comment. Uh, I had tagged uh, old buddy Dimitri uh, in, in, the <laughs> rear, in the rear wing just a little bit. Uh, and he had no rear wing for a lap. Uh, and then try to pass the guy. He's swerving all over the track like he forgot where it went. Um, or he was drunk. I don't know. I mean, he's Russian, so who knows? It's, it's Monaco. Probably, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, tried to go for a braking maneuver, obviously in an overtaking zone out of a tunnel where people tried to pass in Monaco. He was going to have none of it, and so I went flying uh, into the ocean almost.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty mighty crash, but that has got you... Three points on Excellent the board. Start. <laughs> so a very positive start. Uh, okay, clip number two. Please have a listen to this.
3: Here we go. It's oh, fantastic. I, I can't believe I'm here and I won. I just I got I owe it all to the Samson Motorsports team and the Mazda Speed Motorsports Development Program.
2: Uh, that makes me chuckle. This one because halfway through that you halfway through it you sort of forget how to speak. It just sort of turns <laughs> into one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bit of, yeah. a bit of an old one from the archives uh, now again same question can you give us the context
3: uh, yeah Long Beach uh, 2011 Indy Lights uh, Joseph Newgarden had put the car in the tyre barrier uh, with a few laps to go after I'd lost sixth gear uh, and yeah it was uh, it was an interesting finish to the race but to got my first Indy Lights win and we took the lead of the championship what a brilliant
0: brilliant story To take your first win and more importantly, it's got you another full three points. You are doing very well, Mr. Daly. Right. Big fan right. of Indie Lights. It's cool. We
3: are. I don't on... think I've ever heard that clip, by the way. <laughs> <Haven't you? laughs> it's, a... well done, it's amazing Harry. what the it's research.
0: amazing what YouTube can do. Um <laughs> right, clip number three, please. Have a listen to
3: this. Here we go. But tonight I become the best indie car. That's all you
0: get. The best indie car. Can you finish your sentence?
3: What would
2: you like, hear, would you
0: like to hear it again? Have, a, have yeah, a listen again. It's okay. very quick. Here we go. Okay. But
3: tonight I become the best IndyCar...
0: I thought you'd get this one straight away. Tonight I become the best IndyCar... Blank. What? Uh,
3: tonight I become, I mean, become the best IndyCar... Should I give you a clue? Oh, uh, Ninja. Oh. Ah. Yes. <laughs> He's got it. He has got
0: it. Oh. How, how was your experience on... Now, we have Ninja Warrior UK over here, obviously derived from Ninja Warrior. Yeah, one, in, one
2: of our US. former guests
0: was on it, Charlie Martin. She, she, oh, yeah, she of course. did it. She? Um, but how was it for you? What was your experience like on Ninja Warrior?
3: Well, they told me I was doing it like three weeks before the show. And I was like, cool, so we have no time to train and it's in between two races. And they're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Uh, I did exactly one <laughs> day on a ninja course uh, and it lasted about 36 seconds on television and I broke two fingers in the process. So it was great. <laughs> oh. uh, neither. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh really. That's not quiet, a
0: learning it. experience. Uh, okay, Connor, final clip and then there's a bonus question
2: for you. Okay. Now, this is a bit of a weird one because there's actually no speech in it whatsoever. But uh, here we go.
0: Now that might have been a little bit difficult to hear, but do you know what car that is?
3: Yeah, the uh, Force India Formula One car, 2012, uh, and yeah, that was at a an airfield in the United Kingdom. I don't, I don't think. I think it might have been Bruntingthorpe.
0: Yep. Yep. Yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely spot on. That must have been a, pr- a pretty special moment pulling out in that F1 car.
3: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean that that yep. whole. The only problem—I still have the gloves. I had the Force India gloves. I was a little bit upset I didn't get a suit, uh, oh. but uh, but it was it was super cool. Those guys. I still talk to my engineer from that day uh, with the team. He still still talked to him after every IndyCar car race. Uh, he's a DTM engineer now for and for BMW. Um, oh. But yeah, really, really, really enjoyed working with those guys. Was it what, was uh, there
0: ever a chance of an F1 opportunity with them?
3: Uh yeah, I mean if I had won the GP3 championship for sure, uh part of the next step of the contract was you know do some do some friday sessions. Right. And stuff like that. So yeah, the 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 outlook and the the outline was there for sure. Um however, like at the time there were people also paying like 650,000 euros a day to do the friday sessions. So like it was a little bit yeah. I was like, "Well, I don't I don't
0: think I can do that, but uh, God, that's yeah, yeah it's massive. It it? The finances involved. Okay, well, Connor, this final bonus question for you. If you get this, it's, it's worth one point, and it puts you right at the top of the leaderboard. If you don't <laughs> no. get this, it drops you down.
2: But Harry, uh, I feel like we should make. I think you've made this too easy. Too
0: easy. Yeah, I think you should go uh, one has more. To get all of them. No okay, one fine. more. All right. Well, this is your question, Connor. What teams did your father, Derek Daly, drive for in Formula One?
3: So, Hesketh, Tyrrell, Williams, Theodore. uh, uh, Hesketh, Williams, Theodore, Tyrrell. I think that was it. Uh, uh, Maybe. Candy, Tyrrell, Hesketh. Oh, um. I think I, have, I think I have the car in my base. There are
0: there are two more teams.
3: There are two more?
0: Two more. He got around.
3: <laughs> he only did four years, though. So I was... Uh... Well, okay. Well, this is Wikipedia, so... Uh... And it is the hardest
2: quiz of motorsport because Harry never knows the answers. How so many...
0: knows. You know what, though? I was going to give you a point if you got three regardless and, and you got, got, got four. four. So okay. you're going to get the point anyway. I was looking for... Ensign and oh, March
3: yeah Ensign and March yeah see March I was I was thinking it was just the chassis of one of them so that was on me uh,
0: okay fair enough well either way that gets you the full point and Connor Daly you are our new leader yes! in the mouse podcast yes smashed it take it we'll take it thank you absolutely smashed it Martin Plowman will be fuming at that Jeez. was that a full I'm house was just, that that, okay. that yeah. was a full house 13 out of 13 spot on
3: thank you Wow, I appreciate it that was fun what do we do
2: happy. now like he can't be beaten do what, what do we do we reset it's thrown uh, me. I
3: don't
0: know we, uh, we'll, 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 about we'll, we'll talk one. about that uh, yes. <laughs> we'll work that one out we'll do an all stars final um, right well thank you very much Condé for playing motor mounts um, now some more questions for you while we have you um, when you move to IndyCar and uh, you for, full focus on that is Europe completely out of the question now? Would you ever think about Formula One again?
3: No, I mean you can't. It's just not. It's not relevant, really. I mean, no, yeah. no uh-huh. team is going to even. Uh, you know, the only driver that I would say really deserves a shot at it is probably Joseph Newgarden at the time. I mean, mm. the guy's American. You know, F- Formula One teams. I, I really cannot stress this enough. It is very anti-American. You have yeah. Haas itself, who is not an even. American team who that Gunter Steiner literally is the most condescending person ever about American drivers. And I was like, you literally race under the American flag. Mm. And it's astounding that that is being said. So
0: well, why I is think, it? Do you think there haven't been that many successful American drivers, you know, or there haven't been at least consistently in a, a lot of them?
3: Well, I mean, there there are many reasons. First of all, there's, there's a lack of support from our country, you know, financially. You know, you see a lot mm. of drivers um, that are literally supported by their countries, you know, and they, and they get the support that they need. Uh, you know, I, I think immediately, you know, Felipe Nazar, it's sponsor on his car was bank of Brazil. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, there you go. Uh, you got a lot of drivers with, with investment behind them. That is very large. Um, and, and we, you know, both Alex and I, I mean, Alex had a great system, Alexander Rossi, he had a great support system, some great investors that did get him to formula one. Um, but we're all, we're already, uh, you know, looked at as not good enough to be there because yeah. of just, just because of it's, it's, you know, it's, it's for no reason other than like Formula One is Europe's thing. Like it is, that's, that's, it's not our thing. And I, and I, I totally don't mind that thought process. Cause like, look, we, we know that it's difficult to go over there. We know that it's going to be, you know, challenging against a lot of the best guys in the world. Mm. Um, but I think when you look at, you know, certain situations, we definitely don't get enough credit for what we have done. You know what I mean? Like for what Alex did, you know, winning as many races as he did. And, um, you know, sometimes I think it's, it's just overlooked because yeah. there are a lot of drivers over there as well. Yeah, so yeah, um, I don't know what, what it's going to take. I think honestly, what it's going to take is a massive investment from someone and an exciting young American talent. I mean, there still hasn't been any winners since me in F3 from America. So like, I'm trying to, That's I would love to, See that I would love to see that. I, I, I would love to support any young American driver who goes over there and who does that. Um, because I want to see an American in Formula One without a doubt, yeah. um, but they're definitely not going to be looking at IndyCar for that just because. It just hasn't happened in, you know, 30, 40 years. <laughs> it's
2: such a shame it's because, you know, someone like Rossi, who, who didn't have the best Formula One career in the world, but went out to IndyCar and, and has is killing it. He's done brilliantly in IndyCar. You know, the, the guy's clearly got bags of talent. And it's a shame when you look at the likes of Carlin, who, you know, you, you, you've got experience with Carlin, obviously, British team that have gone out to IndyCar and have been welcomed with open arms. Um, and and are now doing really well. It's really pleasing to see. And IndyCar has British drivers. You know they've welcomed the likes of Max with um, Carlin and others. And it's it just it's such a pity. I think F one is not as bad as it was with F one arrogance, but it definitely still exists. And I, and I I totally agree that American drivers have been overlooked. And 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 people like um, you know Scott Dixon. Okay, he's not American, but he's racing an IndyCar. Scott Di- uh, he's got to be one of the greatest racing drivers that. Many people who are an armchair fan in the UK have never heard of. I and mean, what sort of a travesty is that? I mean, how good is Scott? I mean, you raced with him. How good is Scott Dixon?
3: Well, Scott's very good. He's very smart, but he's also you know super, super uh, you know clean. Everything about him, clean cut, very fit, good guy, uh, great family. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think there are many drivers that would agree that uh, you know guys like guys like Will Power and qualifying could go up against Lewis Hamilton in qualifying. Willpower can can, can do something so good in qualifying in an IndyCar and, you know, on the softer tires, you know, getting the lap out of it. Uh, Lewis Hamilton does those same thing in Formula 1 cars, right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's very mm-hmm. good at qualifying. Uh, and I think Scott Dixon, I mean, there, there are obviously – you can think of hypothetical situations all day, but completely would agree that if, if there was ever some somehow a, a head-to-head matchup, you know, put everyone in the Mercedes, right – you put Dixon in there. You wow. put Newgarden in there. You put uh, Rossi. You put any 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 of us who are at the front. At, I, I truly believe there would be a little bit smaller of a gap than than a lot of Formula One, Formula One fans would think. But that's never going to happen. So no, we'll never find out. But it's, I <laughs> no, wish it
2: would because that yeah. is that is such an unpopular opinion, isn't it? I mean, it, if yeah. if you if you took to Twitter. With your sort of following and said, yeah. I think I could put me in that Mercedes and I'll, I'll equal or better Lewis Hamilton, for example. I mean, the, the Twitter British backlash would be, oh, would be, unfair would for come for you.
3: Which, I mean, I'm not saying I would, obviously. I, I don't know that. Like, I think those no. guys, there obviously is a reason why, you know, they're in Formula One. I think there's obviously some of the best drivers in the world. Um, but I do think, like, ask Fernando Alonso what it was like to come over and try the Indy 500. I Absolutely. mean, it's it's not, and everyone thinks also that ovals are very easy. Completely not true. Right? Well, yeah. so I mean, testament. I a
2: Max like, is uh, Max is obviously stepped aside for the ovals for a reason because they're 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 horrible.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, physically, <laughs> mentally, everything about them is is really challenging, and like. I love t- talking with Fernando about it because Fernando it was a, it was a hero of mine as a kid, obviously, and and you know one of the best drivers in the world without a doubt. Um, and it's great to talk with him about it because it's like, hey, he, he he respects the difficulty, he respects the game that we've got going on over here. Um, and I would love to see more, you know, F one guys come over and, yeah. and 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 try out at least the Indy five hundred. I think mm. there will be more eventually. Yeah, um, but it was super cool to have Fernando. And again, you know, we're obviously going to be going head to head against each against against him again this year uh, with the McLaren team, who have put a lot of money into that organization. Yeah, so yeah. I'm cool. Sure let's, hope, they, let's hope it works. Galando out there. They've been competitive so far, so I think yeah. Fernando's going to be in really good shape for the 500.
0: And it's interesting actually speaking about F1 drivers who, who come across. I mean, in in the hypothetical, world, I'd love to see in the, the Indy car field and the F1 field do just like a, a swap one weekend just to see yeah. how it would pan out never going to happen but wouldn't that be amazing yeah. but actually you look at some F1 drivers that have come over you look at the likes of someone like Marcus Ericsson as well who didn't really have the the most glittering of Formula One careers um, coming over it's an IndyCar, putting in some you know solid results learning that kind of thing but he's already doing better than he ever did in Formula One so it's it's, it's a wonder, it's it's interesting to compare the two types of cars. We've done videos on trying to compare and explain IndyCar to a UK and European audience. How would you explain it to someone who knew about Formula 1 but had only really ever heard that in, indie cars just go around in circles? What would you say to someone?
3: Well, I think the, the easiest way to describe, right, is Formula 1 teams have, you know, well, with the newest budget cap, right, like 150 million euros yeah. is to spend on a on season – you know, we, we go racing with $8 million, right? So that there's, there's, there's way less budget. Um, and essentially the, the cars are in in a category of a spec series. The chassis is the same that we get from the Everyone can have the same chassis. Uh, and now obviously the, the aerodynamic pieces are all the same as well. Um, so what you get is, is a very, very close field. Uh, you know, the only thing that's open for development for us that like, like formula one is, is our spring and damper package. So, you know, we can, the teams can develop whatever they want in the dampers. They can, they can do whatever they want with them as long as they stay within, you know, as long as they're not obviously something ridiculous, as long as they fit on the Delara chassis, um, you know, teams can essentially do whatever they want with the dampers. So, you know, we do have a lot of smart people and there are some development items that we can do there. And that's where the Ganassi's and the Penske spend a little bit more than other people, um, because they can, but it still gives an opportunity, like a small team like Carlin, a one car operation to go out there and, and upset everyone and get the pole. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can do that. Uh, whereas we're not going to see George Russell on pole. We're yeah. not going to see anyone, well, anyone in not a Mercedes be on pole this year. You yeah. know what I mean? It's so yeah. like, yeah. It's, th- that's something I think is really cool. I think that's what Marcus has really appreciated. I talk to Marcus all the time. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, Marcus is now with one of the best teams in IndyCar. Uh, and I think he's realizing, look, this is way more fun than he was having in F1. I can promise you that. Um, and, and, and it's just, it's a very, very competitive series. You're looking at every piece, technically every piece driving wise, because you're only looking for hundreds of a second, you know, we're, we're qualifying at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, you know, we qualified eighth, but you, you know, you missed the fast six by half a hundredth, you know what I mean? It's like, it's very, very small. Um, whereas Mercedes out-qualifies everyone by a second, you know what I mean? So we have, we have all 26 cars in within a second. So that's, that's, you know, that's the difference.
0: And the only car that can get close to Mercedes is last year's copy. And that's still a second. Exactly.
2: Let's talk, let's talk about that poll. Um, so, I mean, it's been all over the press over here as well. Um, obviously with it being a British team and Trevor Carlin, um, what was that like getting, getting poll?
3: It was awesome, man. Only because I'm i I'm a big team, team guy. I mean, I love, I love all the work that these guys put into it. Um, you know, we can only do what we can do on track because of what they do every day in the shop, every day at the racetrack, I'm working longer hours than, than we are. Um, so, you know, to see the, the happiness on everyone's face, uh, to see the engineers, obviously, because we, we had started together last year and, and it was tough for me. Like I, I knew that, uh, you know, we needed to work, do some work. We needed to, to get the car a little bit better, uh, you know, and a little bit more adjusted to my driving style. And they absolutely nailed it over the off season. They did exactly what they needed to do. Uh, a lot of work with the damper program that we sort of suggested. Uh, and, and I always say we, because it's a team effort and, and, and that was, uh, it was a really cool moment for Trevor. Trevor was in Budapest, obviously with the F2 and F3 team. Uh, but I, I, he called me uh, very late at night in Budapest and it was just cool to hear him I mean, they're only—they're still such a young team, yeah. And and again, as you said, we're the only one car team, uh, and I think that was that was more impressive than anything. And and I respect what Trevor's done. Uh, I, I would love to get them their first win, obviously, as well. This year, we've got a couple more races to fight for that. Um, so it'd be pretty cool to hopefully hopefully get them some more trophies as we go here.
2: It was amazing. And there's there's one thing that made me chuckle on your—I think you put it on your Twitter. Um, and one thing that will baffle Formula One fans who don't know IndyCar that well um, that you don't only race for Carlin, you race with Ed Carpenter racing as well. And you were the other day where I think standing on the pit wall with your Carlin outfit on looking at your (laughs) your Ed uh, Carpenter racing car across the way. Uh, How does that work? Is is, is that weird?
3: Well, again, my career has been a uh, wild ride and it's, it's it's the dumbest thing ever really from the most, for the most part. But, uh, I mean, my, my sponsor with the U S air force, Uh, you know, we had only a certain amount of budget, uh, and there was a one, one situation where it worked and and that was Ed Carpenter racing because Ed obviously drives the ovals, um, for his car, the 20 car, uh, and he does, he's not a road course guy. So, you know, they usually have someone the last couple of years, at least they've had someone come and drive, uh, the road and street courses for that 20 car, because if the 20 car does all the races, you get an extra million dollars or whatever from the series as a full time entrant. Um, so it's important to kind of keep those two full-time cars going the whole time. Uh, and then obviously, you know, teams run extra cars, at the Indy 500. So I become, you know, the third car for the Indy 500. Uh, and then Trevor had asked me, look, we're still going to be here. Would you do the ovals for us? And I was like, well, guess what? That fits perfectly with, with the plan that I've got. So, uh, and the only way it worked as well is, is because of Chevrolet, like both cars are Chevrolet engines. If it was, if it was a Honda and Chevy yeah, team, I don't man. think it would have worked. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have to thank both teams really for letting me do that. Ed knows that I want to be a full-time guy. Trevor knows that I want to be a full-time guy. Neither of us have enough budget to make that happen. So, you know, we, we just got to make the best of the situation. And right now I think, I think we definitely are.
0: In terms of points and things like that, that doesn't change anything. You, that you're not, the point system is, how does that work when you collect points as a driver?
3: I could drive six different cars, but the driver still scores points. So I, There's there's car points and then there's driver points as well. Yeah. Like the car itself scores points no matter who the driver is, and then the the driver scores points whatever yeah. car he's driving. So
2: before we come on to our, our final few questions, uh, I'm intrigued about the U.S. Air Force uh, relationship. You've got it there on your on your shirt and your your cap. Um, a very interesting sponsor. Not not necessarily a very uh, traditional type of partnership, I guess. Um, what's it all about?
3: Well, so they use it for recruiting, right? So we, there's, there's a stat like there's only really two percent of the Air Force are fighter pilots. So there's, a, there's a lot of jobs available for young people coming out of school, um, you know, to work in the United States Air Force, and and that's uh, that's why they do it. They uh, they show up at the races with some incredible displays on 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 what type of career you can have in the Air Force, uh, what you can do, um, and 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 that's that's what it's all about. And and we have incredible programs where. We bring in kids from the, uh, the U.S. Air Force Academy to work as, uh, you know, interns on the race team. Obviously, there's a lot of engineering. There's a lot of, uh, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, everything that you want as you're kind of learning growing up, uh, you know, there is in racing. So uh, and, and our car looks like a fighter jet. So that also <laughs> helps, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's helps cool. a lot. Um, and, and, and they've done a great job. It's our third year together, which is really cool. Definitely the longest standing sponsor I've ever had uh and it's obviously incredible as you know I'm a super passionate american so to represent for some of the most you know some of the finest people that I've ever met uh you know in the air force uh, is 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 really special for yeah, sure yeah
2: it's it's fantastic i think a, a very good sponsor to have on the side mm. of your car and on on your gear um what are you uh, really crap at uh
3: sim racing and <laughs> um I would say terrible at water sports. I'm not. I'm not a good water sports. Well, are we, guy. T-
2: are we talking like water polo
3: or? I don't no, know. We don't, don't like- even bother with that here in America. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not good at like wakeboarding, ski water skiing. Oh, water uh, is so a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah.
2: Harry, you could do that well, without skis. Uh, very funny. He's got huge uh, feet. <laughs> massive feet. So he's got. So, what's the equivalent in US? What's the? What's your US size? So
0: I think uh, US is the size one. One size. Above UK, I think. So I'm a UK size 16. So I think that's a 17 over in the US. Massive. Which I think is, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the one time I was able to buy shoes, I was in. So I've got um, American relatives and uh, they live in Florida. And uh, we were in, I think, like, uh, some sort of, I think it's called Nordstrom. We don't have oh, yeah. it. Oh, um, yeah, And they had, uh, they had a shoe area. That it was all empty. And they had one little, sort of little column at the end, which just said size 16 to 20. Oh, and yeah. they all, there were four pairs of shoes and they all fit me and I bought them all. Oh. Uh, it was a great day. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> uh, as shoes I could actually fit. Anyway, oh, digress completely. <laughs> um, Connor, I want to know, um, we touched on this earlier, about your unorthodox career, I suppose. Is there anything you would change if you could?
3: Um, the thing I get asked most is, do I regret going to Europe? And and I, I, I would say no, still no. Um, you know, if I hadn't got this year going, uh, I would probably say, yeah, I regret it because I look at what Joseph's doing and I know the trajectory that both of us were on uh, and I know who was winning more. And, uh, and And it was me at the time. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. man... I don't know what, uh, you know, I, I, Joseph is one of my closest friends and the guy has, has developed, I think Joseph's path of development from where we were when we were 18 to where he is now is really impressive. It's a guy who has taken everything from what he's learned on the track and actually continued to improve and develop on, on, on basically, uh, you know, you're always, what you always have to try and work on in motorsport are your weak areas, which are hard to do because you're like, ah, no, i I'm good at everything but you're not like you definitely have weak areas, and Joseph has become one of the most well-rounded drivers that I've ever seen. So, yeah. uh, I think that's the biggest question. I don't know what I would change now. I feel pretty good about where I've ended up. I really wanted to have a Lamborghini by the age of 21. That definitely did not happen. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so <laughs> I, I had a lot of high, high goals set early on. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am now and, and still just grinding every day to try and be better um
2: have you have you got anything so you're fast in a race car fine um you mentioned people have weaknesses um people have other strengths what what are you really good at outside of racing have you got any hidden talents that that the general public don't necessarily know about
3: uh I don't know I reality television I, I did I've done a reality tv show so I mean I I can just be dumb and be pretty hilarious. I think on on uh, on a television. What I like was it? Movie. Was it like Love Island or something like that? No, I got offered that though, uh, but it was uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a show called The Amazing Race here in here in America, yeah. which is a travel show all around the world. So that was um, I, I enjoyed that. I, I would definitely love to have a TV show of some kind or be a part of a TV show of some kind. I like making people laugh. That's that's what I want to try and do.
0: Do you, yeah. do you think it's easier to to be a bit more of a personality in IndyCar over in America than it is in Europe?
3: A million percent. Yeah. Mm. A million percent. I, I think it's over there was a very tough lifestyle. Could not be who I wanted to be. Uh, could not uh, express myself, I guess, the way I wanted to um because i felt like i was constantly even walking through the paddock i felt like i was being judged for something um so you know it, it it's tough I, and i i literally see it in all these f2 and f3 drivers interviews and i see it in the way people are on social media everything is the same and i'm like look you guys got to be yourselves like i know plenty of drivers who are so funny who are so like great away from the track and the perfect example of someone who is enjoying his life, who is himself and who is doing everything right is Lando Norris. Yep. And that yes. guy I think, is the exact example to anyone. As long as you're good on the track, you can be yourself away yep. from the track. Like yep. do it. Mm. it. It will not hurt you. It will only the guy's Twitch channel. He is making so much money off of that yep. extra on the side because all he does is just be himself and, and does it. Yeah. yeah. So on top he, of the millions from McLaren, him. yeah, but
2: he's been a breath of fresh air, hasn't he? I mean, it would never have happened in the Ron Dennis days, but you know, it's, it's a very different place now, and it's it's great to see him with so much personality. And even Carlos, you know, the two of them
3: together are quite funny. Um, yeah, but uh, but- even Carlos, like, I, I love Carlos. Carlos is one of my best friends coming out of G 3 I think he, I I still talk to him most. We traded helmets. I've got one of his helmets downstairs in the in the living room. Um, but yeah, like Lando is, is definitely, I think the most entertaining driver in Formula One other than like Daniel Ricardo and, uh, and, and, and Max honestly, well, Max, I know more away from the the public eye, but like those guys are really entertaining young talents. And I think it's just, it's, it's like, I'm like, please, can we have more of this? Can someone figure this out? Like Charles Leclerc as well, what he was doing over the, over the whole, uh, you know, quarantine thing. Him being streaming racing, I mean, yeah. I'm like, yep, this is exact. Now I want to be a Formula One fan again. You know yeah, what I mean?
0: yeah. But it's, I think it's, him, Albon, Leclerc, Russell, Lando, yeah, Verstappen, George. Has been hopefully, good. this this new wave of of, of driver and the youth will hopefully then that will seep into the rest of the paddock and the way, even from the way it's broadcast. Uh, you know, hopefully that will just make it. A bit more IndyCar like. Who'd have yeah. thought we'd be saying that? There is still the old guard, though, that are like, oh, you know,
2: why has he got a banana outfit on? How ridiculous. You know, yeah. this is Formula One. You know, it's like, oh, come on. It's, uh, it's a little yeah. lightened up a little I, bit.
3: I agree. Uh,
0: it's, a, it's a sport and it, it's entertainment at the end of the day. And that's what we want entertainment on and off track. And that yeah. can only be a good thing if it gets more eyes onto them. Yeah.
3: Um, so many things. We have so many things that can capture our attention now with the internet, right? Yeah. It's like, motor racing used to be obviously, well, this is the wildest stuff we can see on television because these guys are insane doing 200 plus miles an hour, driving, uh, you know, driving into each other and and driving all over the world. But now there's the internet and there are so many things that can be entertaining. And there are so many different uh, outlets on television. So it's like, well, racing has got to step up our game. We got to have some electric personalities. We got to have some people that want to keep you entertained all the time. It can't just be like, well, I'd like to thank, my sponsors, yeah, thank the yeah. team. Yeah, which it still is. See you later. Yeah, you
2: yeah, mean. yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um listen, we have three final quickfire questions for you.
3: Harry, would you want to kick off?
0: Yeah. Connor, what's got you excited at the moment?
3: Uh pretty much Call of Duty Warzone every day. That's about <laughs> it. Continue to play <laughs> it. Uh we'll we'll continue to play until uh are, are you actually any good? I actually don't think I'm that bad. Okay. I will say. Okay. Lando, me and Lando have played a couple times. Lando's not bad either, but he's focused on being in a streaming empire, and he's you know a little yeah. bit on that, which is important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah.
2: You've got presumably you're on Twitch. You've got a channel people can go to.
3: Yeah, yeah, Twitch.tv/slash ConnerDaily22, uh, and I'm just ConnerDaily22 on everything. So yeah. my number's not 22 in anything, but it used to be. So I'm just <laughs> a- <laughs> fair
2: enough. Um, if not doing what you're doing, what would you be doing?
3: You know, I, I get asked that all the time. I would just try and do TV. Like I, I would love to be a part of uh, like a TV show, be an actor or be uh, something like that. Don't know if I'd want to go to school for anything like that, but uh, just throw me on the set and see what happens. Who knows? Um, but uh, but yeah, reality TV, anything like that, I, I would definitely do it. Or I mean, obviously, if it doesn't have to do if it has to do a little bit with motorsport, I, I like to commentate. I'd love to commentate on motorsport. Well,
0: it seems like a logical path as well. Um, Final question for you, Connor. What are you scared of?
3: Uh, Spiders Mm -hmm. and um, uh, not making it. (laughs) (laughs) Like when it comes to, you know, a a reality without motorsport. That's a real deep fear. You know what I mean? What What is that? What is that? But realistically, hilariously spiders and uh, not a snake guy don't like
0: oh, snakes, No, i dude. don't like snakes who 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 so if anyone ever classes himself as a snake guy then i don't want to no, meet that person i'm because, not a snake guy oh, either. that's weird
2: can no. i harry can i ask my other my weird question chloe's go for one it. Um, uh, yeah if yeah go for it I, I just like it would you rather be covered in scales or feathers and why
3: uh well feathers hopefully because i could fly i want to fly that sounds great i mean if i'm a feathery creature i better be up there in the skies uh flying around a lot
2: (laughs) you might not be able to fly it might be like penguin feathers do penguins have feathers you
3: didn't you didn't limit it you said feathers or scales and i said put me in the air i've got feathers you just
2: took it there (laughs) you didn't even hesitate now i now i'm wondering if penguins even have feathers i'm not sure they're more like oily anyway i've done Getting, uh, getting anyway
0: away. Connor Daly thank you so much for joining us on the Motor Mouse Podcast it's been an absolute pleasure before we let you go when is when can we see you racing next for a for UK and Europe based you don't know, quite you know the IndyCar calendar when's the next racing for you
3: so August 8-9 weekend we have a double header at Mid-Ohio uh, two road course races um, and then after that's the Indianapolis 500 oh, yes. so uh, August, exciting 500 obviously our, our premier event um, so that it'll be a really exciting month of August for us, for mm-hmm. sure. I can't wait. I
0: wish you massive, uh, massive luck for the rest of the season, Connor. Connor Daly. Thank you for coming on the Motormouth Podcast. Thanks, Connor. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and interact with others, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. And until next time, you've been listening.